You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. The space where we congregate um, is used in many ways because it truly is a community space. It is not, it doesn't, even though it said it was a church, it doesn't look like a church. It is a, it's a venue. It's a coffee shop. And on Sundays, it's a place where people congregate and are congregating right now. So we are worshiping together as brothers and sisters. Um, and in all that goes on there, Monday, Sundays through Saturdays, from nonprofit events to classes and discussions to a women's shelter on Monday nights to um, nonprofit events, as I said, and celebrations and things for Amazon and Microsoft, I will say it's crazy, it's dynamic, it's life-giving, and it's, sometimes it's exhausting. And I feel I am daily sitting on the edge of my seat asking, what are you going to do today, Lord? It's a place where I have learned that I have to slow down. If you know anything about me, I walk fast. I like to multitask. I'm a little bit chaotic. And I have had to learn to be ready, to pause, to be ready for that unexpected conversation from somebody who's taking a break from their work at Amazon or Group Health. To be ready for the woman who stayed at our women's shelter and realized that this is a safe place to come during the day when she doesn't have any other place to go. And she's ready to converse. I have learned that if I am willing to listen, people are eager to share about their lives. I have discovered that someone who is not quite certain about the church often is open to prayer. God has provided a remarkable space for Union Church through which we're able to provide hospitality, community, and hope in a central part of our city, in a very changing neighborhood of South Lake Union. And actually, I encourage you to go down just to see how much it keeps changing all the time. And it's been exciting to see where God is showing up. I do believe that Union Church is an expression of God's kingdom here on earth. And I do believe that University Presbyterian Church is an expression of God's kingdom here on earth. Because I have learned a powerful truth these past 10 years since there was this small group of us commissioned in this sanctuary to launch this new worshiping community. The church is not a building. The church is a people. We, we are God's church. You and me, we're it. We are God's beloved, embraced, invited, and empowered people. Our buildings are places God uses, yes, but it is we within whom God dwells with his spirit and with whom God acts in his world. Look around for a moment, please. And I really mean this. Look around for a moment, please. Look someone in the eye. Take that challenge. Look at God's beautiful church. Look at our differences and our similarities, our uniqueness. We have different personalities, different passions, different gifts. I'm going to say it again. And differences. And we... You, together, are God's masterpiece, bar none. You are God's masterpiece. In a time when language around us can seem more divisive than ever, and part of it is because we are inundated with news 
at any hour, at any moment. When we look across the aisle and we do not know if we can share our political views and it will be safe, when we are heart-stricken to hear of more shootings of black youth and police officers and a shooting of youth in Muckleteel this weekend, as we are overwhelmed by news around our city and world about people without homes and fearing for safety, we gather today in faith as God's people on a Sunday morning in this particular location, while people are gathering all over the world in their particular locations, to be reminded and proclaim afresh this truth that is lasting. Jesus Christ is our risen Lord, and we belong to him. We are his church. Not because we showed up at this building, but because God showed up in our world. And God showed up in our world to say we matter and to say the person, the people beside you matter and to say that the world he created matters. We are his church to bring hope and healing to a world that is being torn apart. As I thought about this privilege to stand here this morning and encourage you from God's word, I confess that all I could think of was the shy 18-year-old me when I first entered this sanctuary. Uncertain where I fit in the world, I was an insecure, dreamy freshman girl at the University of Washington. I was eager to prove I was smart and incredibly fearful I wasn't. I'd grown up in a loving Christian home. But here I was, from a small town, facing new ideas and people, and I had no idea what it meant to follow Jesus in a city, at the university, studying science and humanities and philosophy. And to be honest, I wasn't sure I wanted to. Jesus seemed irrelevant in the swirl of new ideas around me. My story is not uncommon. And perhaps it's one to which you relate. I came to UPC because someone invited me. Actually, it was another student who walked to my dorm room, knocked on my door, and said, you're coming with me to UPC. <laughs> and so I went with him to be kind, but actually, I don't think I really had a choice because he wouldn't take no for an answer. And I sat in the very back row. I see you in the back row. Now I know. You, you can see people in the back row when you stand up here. <laughs> Sitting in that back pew, however, I heard a word of grace such as I had never heard before. Though my parents had modeled grace for me, my ears were ready. My soul was longing. From the pulpit that was there, I heard something like this. If God loves you, then God wants to partner with you. To say yes to Jesus is not about a private relationship with you and Jesus. It's an invitation to participate in a party that God is throwing for the world. Wow. Is that something to get excited about? And at the young age of 18, as I would come back 
to hear more, I realized that I had developed a view of God as someone who was ready to tell me what was wrong with me if I messed up. Someone who was ready to tell me I was never quite good enough. I had created a transactional view of God. Be good, be a good person and you'll be accepted. Well, friends, let me tell you, you will never be good enough. But sitting in the back row of this sanctuary, I began to hear a word of invitation that was enticing from Jesus. I know you mess up. I forgive you. That's what the cross means. You're forgiven. And you're invited to live as a person in response. Step out and risk forgiving someone who's hurt you. Risk being you in the world that needs love and healing. Risk living as a person that has been given grace. I heard Jesus in that way that we hear that voice of God in our heads that is the voice of God. How will you live differently if my grace is real? And suddenly faith in God became dynamic as I would hear Bruce Larson share story upon story about what Jesus' spirit was doing through his people sitting in these pews in his world. There are so many stories that have flooded through my mind. I think about this woman named Gloria Cole who often would wear beautiful pink. And as she realized that God loved her, she realized she could make sandwiches for God's people that were hungry on the streets of Seattle. And this was before there were as many ways of helping. And she and other women organized this brigade of sandwich makers and thousands of sandwiches would be made in this act of love. I remember people like Paul Beals who saw something in me and invited me to visit this donut shop on Pike and First so I could be part of this new ministry that was starting to reach street youth in our city. And from that, New Horizons was birthed, which so many in this congregation helped bring life and care and love to. Street Youth Ministries came after that. For some reason, God has given me a remarkable connection with so many ministries here at UPC. And in my 36 years of knowing this, this expression of God's kingdom, I would like to encourage you this morning to sit on the edge of your seats and to ask, Lord, what are you doing today? What are you up to? How can I be a part? That is the message I bring to you from the book of Acts. Today's scripture is about people in the first century who were learning to trust that they mattered in God's kingdom story. As I read this passage from Acts 3, it's found on page 886 in your pew Bibles, I invite you to let your hearts and mind be open to what God desires to reveal to you in this passage. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. At three o'clock in the afternoon, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. 
Peter looked intently at him, looked him in the eyes, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately the man's feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. In order to appreciate the context of this story, I, want to, I must take us back briefly to Acts 1 and 2. As the 11 disciples looked up to heaven after Jesus ascended, and as they waited in Jerusalem, just as Jesus had told them to do, could they fathom what would come next? I mean, we know the, end of the, we know the rest of the story, but think about putting yourself in their place. They have walked with Jesus. They saw Jesus die. They saw him come back to life, and he was there with them again, but now he is gone. He is gone, and here they are. Could they fathom what would be next? And even as they experience, as Acts 2 tells us, the Spirit descending upon them on the day of Pentecost, like a rushing wind and tongues of fire resting upon them, did they know how their lives would be changed forever? And how they would indeed be part of a movement that would stretch to the ends of the earth? That all nations and people might know the power of the living Lord and hear the invitation of God's love that is for those who are near and far? What they do know is that they were once simply fishing buddies who could not even stay awake when Jesus needed them most. And yet now here they are telling crowds of people that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. The crucified Jesus is now the risen Lord. What they do know is that God has brought together representatives of the known world to communicate a salvation for all humanity. They're beginning to know that. They do know that many, many people are cut to the heart as they hear the name of Jesus, repenting, being baptized, meeting together, sharing together. Acts 2 is symphonic. God is on the move. Jesus is Lord, and the Holy Spirit is here and now. At the end of Acts 2 is that famous part of the people then in response sharing everything together. I have to confess that when I get to that part, I stumble a bit. Maybe it's that insecure 18-year-old that comes out at that point. These questions come to me. Where would I fit into the story of shared possessions? Would I truly be in the crowd? Or would I be an observer on the fringe wondering if there's space for me? Wondering if I'm really part of the story? The Acts narrative brilliantly, flawlessly moves us from this grandiose story of Acts 2, of Pentecost, to an intimate story of Acts 3, as if to answer this haunting question. What about those who do not know if the invitation of grace can possibly be for them? 
In Acts 3, we move from the majestic symphony to listening to two violins of John and Peter responding to their conductor. Peter and John going to the temple just as they always had at the hour of prayer. Meeting a man who is begging just as he always had for 40 years. For a long time. It's a common scene, a sadly very common scene that could be in any city in any time. The beggar man asks two strangers for alms, for money, for a handout. Some people in the past have given him a few coins. Some people have spit at him. Some people have ignored him. Because he's asked every stranger that's passed by. But it is then, at this moment, that everything changes. And the reality of Acts 2, the promise that the Holy Spirit would descend into our ordinary lives is not just a fanciful story. It is true. God's Spirit is on the move for all people. And there, in front of the beautiful gate, which is outside of the temple, in the most outer place where even the women and the Gentiles could be, God breaks in. God's Spirit is there as John and Peter bring the temple to this man on the fringe. Because in this new day of post-resurrection life, they are the new temple where God's Spirit dwells. Do you know that wherever we go, we are God's temple, bringing the life-giving spirit to a world that desperately needs it? To a man who expects a few coins at most, Peter and John give not of their material wealth, which they really didn't have, but from the grace they have received. They lift this man up off his feet, and by the same transformative power through which they receive new life, they raise him to a new life by the power of Jesus' name. Jesus' name has power. Jesus' name has power. It is true, people out in this world aren't sure what to do with the church. They're not sure what to do with us. They're not sure what to do with Christianity. But when we come openly and listen and talk about Jesus... It is amazing how people are open. They may say, I don't believe it, but they're open to a conversation. And you never know when the name of Jesus is spoken, what transformation is happening. As this man is lifted and discovers his legs, and discovers that he is a new person. John and Peter do more. They bring him along. They restore him into community. They bring him from a place of begging to a place of being noticed, to being in a space where this man who'd been crippled is not just walking, he is leaping. He is praising God. They include him. And now he is in a place of helping others praise God. Julie Metzger, who has played such a part on helping us so many years ago develop side-by-side, which is happening this week, the side-by-side camp, often says, all human beings have two basic needs, to know they are important and included. Throughout Jesus' ministry, how often that is what he does, as he cares for people in all of their fears and concerns and ailments. 
helping us know in our doubts that the God on high is for us. I had the privilege to go to Columbia in January because there is a partnership that's happening between our Seattle Presbytery and a presbytery in Barranquilla, Colombia. In January, I went with a team from here with a question of what does a partnership look like in supporting one another? And as I did reading on Colombia, I was so struck by the heartache that this country has experienced through an ongoing civil war. And um, you may not know this, but Colombia has the most displaced people internally, internally displaced people. And I knew that we were going to be visiting some people who had just had their homes, their, their land bulldozed. Um, and I felt overwhelmed by what does that mean to go see people who have literally just, Compostinos, who have just literally been displaced. When I got there, we went to see this place where this, they had moved. Land much farther away. And a small group of these Compostinos, these farmers, were on this land. Yet to be furrowed, yet to be planted. But it was their home. And they offered us a lunch, which I thought, how can I accept this? We have so, I have so much, and you have had your life torn apart. And then I met Marisol. And she said to me, I am so grateful for the church, God's people who believe in me. I am uneducated, I am unschooled, but the people of the church have believed in my voice and I suddenly have been invited to the table with leaders in Colombia to talk about the needs of displaced people. I, an uneducated, unschooled woman, because people believed in me, am now sitting at the table. I have been invited. And we are, this land is going to continue to grow. And we are fighting to hold on to it. And people in the church are praying with us and standing beside us. And that is why you are here. You are here to tell my story. And you are here. And I am here to give you lunch to say thank you. Bruce Larson, senior pastor of UPC, prophetically wrote this, and I'm going to end with this, in 1989. We, who are God's people, have not been called and chosen and predestined to be spectators at worship services. As Jesus followers, we are to do more, hear the more, we are to do more than go to classes and read books about the faith. The power of the Holy Spirit, released at Pentecost, breathes through us. We are created in God's image, redeemed by his son, empowered by his spirit to exercise his love and power in everyday life. Walking our faith into Microsoft, the University of Washington, Olympia, our neighborhoods, schools and homes, as well as into jails, hospitals, and the hurt and pain of our city. This is still true today. In 2016, where are we perched where God is inviting us to walk our faith, to bring God's grace, to proclaim that the Holy Spirit is alive and well, that fear is not the final word. Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, is the final word. So I invite you, embraced, invited, empowered ones, God's church, you don't do this alone, you do this together. Go forth in the power of the one who raised Jesus from the bread, dead to bring hope and healing to the world beyond these doors. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org.
All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.